Welcome to Real Estate Business Explained. On this show, we share insights to what it really looks like to build a real estate business from the inside, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Sean, and as a coach and trainer, over the past 15 years, I've seen it all, and I wanna share what I've learned with you. So whether you're just getting started or you've already got a lot going on and you're just looking for something new, I'm confident there's gonna be something here for you. Let's get into it. Nowadays, it seems like almost every for sale sign that you see has the word team or group on it, meaning that it's not just one agent who's serving that person, it's a collection of people who've all combined their efforts to make the business possible. But a few decades ago, this was actually the rarity as opposed to the norm. There were very few transactions that were being written by larger groups while the majority of the business was carried out by single agents. So what's with all these real estate teams? Why are agents so compelled to, to start teams and, and bring people into their world? Is it ego or is it necessity? On this episode, we're gonna take a quick deep dive into teams. We're gonna talk about why they get started in the first place. We're gonna talk about the process of moving from being the operator of the business, serving your clients on a personal level, to being the owner of a business and focusing more on leadership and developing others. We're gonna look at the profitability. We assume that larger businesses make more money, but that's not always the case. And then finally, we're gonna dig deep and we're gonna look at the future for what real estate teams are likely to, to, to hold ahead of them. And finally, the individual agent, is that role something that's doomed or is that something that's gonna stick around? I'm Sean and welcome to today's episode. So what's with all these real estate teams? Well, the reason that people start teams can really come from one of two directions. On one hand, a lot of people start teams because, well, they don't have a choice. They got to the point where they were doing all the business that they could do on their own and they, they wanted to continue to grow. They had clients who needed their help and they felt like they weren't able to fulfill their needs and hold up the level of standards that they liked to in the way that they serve them. And so they had to bring people in in order to continue to serve all the people who they wanted to serve. Simultaneously, there's other people who build a team because they look at the real estate business and they think, this is a great opportunity. It's an interesting landscape where we're in a business that's almost exclusively still run by agents who are local to an area and focus on serving their community. And so larger, uh, larger organizations and people with a business mindset often look at this and they see the, 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 you know, the gross revenue that can be possible with a real estate business and they're really attracted to that. And so I think that there's two main ways that people look at building a real estate team. They either build it through necessity and or they approach it from the very onset saying that I, I'm going to do the job of sales with the interest of earning myself the right to jump out of that as soon as possible. I want to move into leadership. Now, I will say that both are absolutely fine. And at the same time, the majority of people don't know enough about the real estate industry. They don't know how real estate teams work. And so when they get started, it's more through necessity that they build a team. And here's what that usually looks like. An agent will get into the business, they'll get started, and they'll work really hard. They'll develop their skills, they'll give great service, and soon through their efforts and through the referrals of their clients, they have more business coming in than they can manage. And so they have to face a choice where either one, they need to step away from taking on business, two, they might take the business on and not serve it to the level that they're proud of, or three, they need help. 
So most real estate teams are born just through the necessity of health. An agent will start serving people and they'll grow to the point that they're letting people down or they can't keep up or they're just working more than they're comfortably able to, to work and, and feel like they still have a healthy lifestyle and, and work-life balance. And so they bring in an administrator. Typically the first thing that an agent will do and, and frankly the, the right way to do it is to start with an, a person serving you as an assistant. That person will, will come in and they'll take all the lower dollar per hour tasks off your, off your hands. All the things that you don't need a license to do. So you continue to solicit business and serve your clients and negotiate contracts and go on appointments and that person takes everything else off your plate. The paperwork, they make sure that your marketing goes out, they make sure your deals close on time and are, are filed appropriately so you get paid. They make sure that your marketing's being organized and sent out on time. They change the signs when they need to be changed. They take everything else off your plate. And the interesting thing in real estate is that because the majority of the actual work is administrative, the actual busy work is quite a bit more than the actual moments that you're in sales, by clearing that off your desk, most agents are able to double their production or more just simply through having someone else take that off their plate. Now, typically what happens is the agent, if they're smart, they're going to jump back in. They're going to take that time back and they're not going to kick their feet up. They're actually going to reinvest their time into their business. They're going to care for those extra clients. They're going to grow their pipeline of business and their business will typically explode. Again, it's not uncommon to see someone who does two or three times as much business with the right team around them as they could on their own. So then what happens next? Well, the next thing that happens is they continue, they grow, they build that administrative business up. They might have another person come in and join them, but pretty soon they're at capacity in sales. They've, they, they hit a line where they can't go on more appointments. They can't make more sales calls. They can't negotiate any more contracts. There's just no more time. Things are slipping through the cracks and or they're burnt out. So typically the next step is that they bring in salespeople. And the reason that we do this second is pretty simple. The salespeople cost a lot more to bring into a transaction than an administrator costs. So you're able to be a lot more dollar productive in terms of your hourly uh, contribution to the company through staying in sales than through trying to replace sales first and doing the administrative work yourself. Simultaneously, if you bring a whole bunch of salespeople in and you start giving them leads and opportunities and they start converting them and you don't have an operations team in place, well, it's gonna get really messy. So typically, again, we start with the assistant that grows into being an administrative hub and then from there, you start to bring salespeople in. And then one of two things happens. Some people say, this is great. I'm making really good money. I'm not working too many hours. Why would I screw this up? And there is a real and true argument for why this is a great idea. The small team, it, I like to refer to as a ninja squad. A ninja squad is, you know, the owner of the business, one to four administrators and one to six salespeople. And they're established, they're happy, they're all making lots of money. Typically the salespeople will stick around because the rainmaker, the owner of the team is really close to them and profitability can be amazing. There's not a lot slipping through the cracks. You're a tight-knit group. You're a group of ninjas. They're the people who you're sharing your deals with are converting them. Now, that's really simple. It's a great business. It's highly profitable. 
a lot of people look at that and they say, ooh, but growth would be fun. And they get super excited about the leadership side. They look at the agents around them growing. They get addicted to the long-term life cycle of having someone who they contribute to. So they say, wow, you know, with a transactional client, I just have this blip on the radar where I serve them for a number of weeks and we close a transaction. We're really close, but then it's this flash in the pan kind of experience where all of a sudden I'm off to my next deal. They're in their new home and it's over. And even if I had a huge impact on their life, I don't get to be part of the bigger picture where with the people on your team, you get that. You get the, the coaches relationship where you get to watch them grow and nurture them and, and, and better their lives in a big way over a long period of time. And people fall in love with that. And they get addicted to what's next. How big can I grow this? How good can I make it? How, how, how high can I climb? And so a lot of people just don't stop there. I'm going to talk more about growth and teams in a moment, but there's a lot of steps that come in along the way. You know, we're, we're, what we're talking about really is the process of moving from being a business owner to a business, op, uh, a business operator, pardon me, to a business owner. The business operator is the person who is in the role. One of my favorite quotes is, if you don't have a maid, you are the maid, right? So same if you bring those salespeople in and you don't have an administrator, you are the administrator. That is true for every job on the team. If you're a owner of a business, everything and anything that goes wrong, well, the buck stops with you. And as you grow, you have the opportunity to replace yourself in one role after another. And I call this climbing the replacement ladder. Now, typically what this is gonna do is it's gonna start by replacing those low paying tasks. So this is the administrative tasks, again, this is managing calendars, managing marketing, managing paperwork, anything transactional, loading listings, making sure that things are tracked and accounted for, managing cash flow. This is all stuff that you can outsource, you can bring someone in, you can hire a team. There's all kinds of ways that you can place this, this burden onto someone else. And the goals that you start with the lower paying tasks and also the lower impact tasks, the things that are important but they, they're not what's driving growth in the business. Now, the second thing that happens is you replace yourself typically in delivery, okay? So I, I've taken myself out of running the office. I don't do the paperwork. I don't input the data. I don't manage the database. And now I want more time back. The next thing that typically people will do is they'll look to remove the fulfillment of their clients. So what does that look like? Well. With listings, it's really easy. Your operation team, that, that staff at the office, is able to do a lot of that. But with buyers, there's a lot of driving them around in the car. So typically what we do next is we look at how to manage buyers and we look at ways to have people partner with us on those transactions and care for the busy part of it. Maybe you generate the, the opportunity and they close the opportunity. Maybe you generate the opportunity, you qualify it and you take them through to signing a representation contract and you pass them off and those people just manage the showings. There's a lot of different models for it, but the idea is that you're removing yourself from the fulfillment side of the transaction. Step three is going to be sales. Sales is a very key moment. It's when you get someone to agree to work with you. So often in the process of building a team, you replace yourself in the sales function by hiring a listing agent. 
and or you might build a team where you have a, a group of people that are essentially all agents and they're just using, using your platform. A lot of teams nowadays are, are providing a platform of services along with coaching and marketing and it's up to the agents to generate 75 to 80% of their own business. And the team generates some leads, but it's still the agent who's converting them. So the, the process, again, you're stepping out of administrative, you're stepping out of fulfillment, you're stepping out of sales eventually. And really then all that's left is, is leadership and ownership where you're no longer actually in the trenches at all. You don't meet clients, you're not creating anything personally. All that you're really doing is direction of the company, coaching and management. And that's where you really can say that you've moved from being the operator of the business to the owner business. So back to why are people creating all these teams? Well, I think that the reality is that there's different levels. You know, there's people who really just want better efficiency. They want some time back. They want to, to explore a, a new challenge, but they don't want to take it too far. They like it small. They like it simple. They like it profitable. And then there's other people who look at that big machine. They look at the, the challenge of it and they say, I could do that. I could do that. I could create that. And again, either option's fine. The one thing that people need to understand is that to move from being a salesperson where you're, you're in the business and you're active and you're, you're dealing on a daily basis to being an owner where you're no longer trading time for money, right? You're in that leadership role and all you're doing is you're setting the vision, you're holding people to their, their roles and you're guiding the ship. Well, the thing that you need to realize is that's a different skill set. And this is one of the main challenges that people have tra tra uh, transitioning from being the person in the business to being the person who works only on the business. And the problem that they have is that they assume because they're talented in sales that that will naturally translate to them being a talented leader. And it's a completely different skill set. I'm not saying you can't do it. Lots of people have done it successfully. What I am saying is that it's not the same skill set. Okay. You need to learn how people interact. You need to, how to learn how to build a team. You need to learn how to lead someone and, and motivate them and, and hold them accountable. You need to get a, a feel for when it's the right moment to let someone fall down a little bit and, and let them make mistakes, even though it might not look good on you because you know they're gonna learn. And when it's time to say that's unacceptable because it's not always what you want. Sometimes what, what you wanna do is completely outside of what's best for the business and best for the growth of the individuals around you. And that is an uncomfortable thing to learn. Sometimes you might be uncomfortable with, um, with conflict and you gotta get really comfortable and really confident in having some conflict with people who frankly you love because these are the people that you spend the majority of your time with. So moving into that phase of ownership, I think one of the main challenges is that people look at it and they say, this is great. I'm going to get all my time back and I can stop doing all this stuff. And the truth of the matter is that you can stop the stuff that you're doing, but you're taking on a whole new burden of responsibility if you really want to take it that far. So through this teams will make more money, right? Think about it. You've paid off all the lower, uh, the lower dollar per hour tasks. You've brought in people who are bringing in extra deals. I mean, teams must be wildly profitable, right? Well, the answer is not always and yes and no. 
So I'll explain. First of all, not always. And this is really simple. The truth of the matter is that bringing in extra salespeople, bringing in extra administrators, buying a bunch of leads, that does not guarantee transactions. Plain and simple. Unfortunately, the, the deals that sit on the other side of those leads need to be converted by skilled people. The people who you bring into your team need to be motivated. You need to be motivated enough to carry two jobs because you don't get to jump completely out of sales directly into leadership, flip the light switch, and everything's going to work. The, the transition is going to involve you staying in sales, moving your hours up while you support all the new people that you brought in and you coach and train and figure that out. You're going to be falling down and then simultaneously you're waiting for their production to kick in, which can take a really long time. It takes a long time, especially in a marketplace where you're in a higher price point. I was trading in a million dollar price point in my market and it, it's not uncommon in even a good market to see new agents take three, six or nine months to get into any kind of flow. So you're going to be in pain for a while and all that time your expenses are climbing and you're, you're being pulled in multiple directions. So you might not write as many deals. So it, is it more profitable to build your team? Well, not always. In fact, you might lose a lot of money while you wait for it to kick in. And most teams, when you study the different phases of growth that they go through, will actually have a bit of a dip. Typically, when a team close, comes close to doing between 700 to a million one in gross commissions, typically their profitability dips significantly as much as 10 or 15%. It might go down because they're investing ahead of themselves. The owner of the team is giving away deals, which means that they're paying a split on them as opposed to keeping all the money in-house. And their productivity isn't growing fast enough to keep pace with the investments that they're making ahead of themselves to be ready and to have the structure in place for all the people that they brought in. So not always. And frankly, sometimes teams don't escape that, that dip. Sometimes teams get in there and they start investing and their cash starts to wane. And there unfortunately have been a lot of situations where really great teams have suffered and failed and just never had a chance to exist. Now, the other answer is yes and no. Do, do teams make more money? Well, yes and no. So a successful team will make more money up top. They'll make more gross revenue. But remember that when you have a larger team, even if you write the deal, you make less money because you're paying for all your expenses. So as the owner of a team, your expenses are gonna chip away at your paychecks. Simultaneously, the deals that your agents write are going to have a split applied to them traditionally. So a significant portion of the commission is never gonna reach your, your bank account. So yes and no. Yes, we're making more money up top, but a lot less is filtering through in terms of the ratio between the top line and the bottom line. Is that a good thing? Well, or I mean, I should say, is it a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Well, not necessarily. Because if you can grow the top line big enough and the ratio isn't too bad, there can still be some really healthy profit at the bottom. But here's the cincher. At a certain point, you can't grow your personal dollar per hour any higher working as an individual. And 
owning a team, running a team, if you can build enough leverage around yourself and build the team up to the point that there's enough gross profit that there's still a really healthy chunk coming out the bottom for you to take in exchange for the time that you input, you can grow your dollar per hour significantly. You could grow your dollar per hour to the point that it's almost indefinite if you can reduce your hours enough. So yes, owning a team can be remarkably profitable if you do it right. Unfortunately, the truth is that a lot of teams don't do that. It's very common to see larger teams operating at a net profit margin of somewhere between, between five and 20%. Large teams, when I say large teams, I mean teams with 50 to 100 people. Large teams will often net 25% if they're doing a great job. So there's a margin there, but it's not as big as you might think. Now you might hear large team and you think, whoa, a hundred people. And while we don't see it locally, the, tr the, the landscape of teams is changing and growing towards, it's now going to be something that really develops into being almost more of a conglomerate than the traditional team. So we think about a real estate team or group of people. And traditionally, this would be three people, five people, maybe 10, 20. It's very rare historically that we would have teams of more than 20, maybe 25 or 30 people. Now what we're seeing is that teams are taking this concept of the platform and they're applying it on a national scale. So they say, well, what does a team really do? Well, a team provides leads, agent services, training and coaching, gives a path for personal, personal and professional growth and development, and it lets you be part of something. Those are kind of the five big things that a team does. Well, what's to stop a team that's really successful in one location from leveraging their, their main services hub and opening up another location next door? This question was asked about a decade ago, and today we see teams that have 20, 30, 40, 50 locations and you know 500 to 1,000 or 1,000 plus agents. So the landscape of teams is really changing. And what's interesting about it is that it seems as though it's scalable. You know, there's an economy of scale if you can combine all of your main agent services to one centralized hub. Uh, the, the future of teams is likely that we're gonna continue to see this where larger and larger organizations combine their buying power, they combine their services, and it allows them to really create a tremendous amount of value for the people who are part of them. Now, this is something that we don't truthfully know what the future holds in terms of the landscape, but it does feel scary for the individual who's trying to compete because they don't have the buying power of a thousand agents all chipping in. They don't have the marketing power and the, the experience that comes with a team of people behind them. So this brings the question, well, if that's why people build teams and this is where we think that teams are going in the future, what does that mean for the individual? Are they doomed or is there still room left for them in the market as the landscape continues to change? And my answer is that I think there's always going to be room for the individual agent. And in general, the real estate market is going to continue to become more and more competitive, meaning that the landscape will continue to be something that agents have to struggle and fight 
to get a little piece of. So real estate in general has always been a belly to belly sport. It's something that's served on a local level. We knock on doors to generate business. Even the largest teams still have this as one of their foundational ways to generate business. We serve people with a knowledge of the local community. And frankly, that is something we should protect because if we don't protect the fact that as agents, we are the local experts, then forget about a real estate team, we're gonna get replaced by an app. So the agent who's boots to the ground and has connections and knows the members of their communities will always beat an agent who is trying to base their, their skin in a transaction on some large conglomerate, conglomerate that they're affiliated with. This will and all, this is and will always be a relationship-based business. So the individual agent, I say, isn't going anywhere. I think we've got a hard road ahead as individuals to be competitive, to be able to bring compelling marketing to not only promote ourselves, but also to promote our listings as the internet continues to be a, a stronger force in the way that consumers interact with real estate. And in general, the relationship is always gonna be the thing that wins. For you, if you're trying to figure out what you wanna do, I mean, you need to look at this from the perspective of growing your business and ask yourself what you want. Do you want the challenge of trying to grow something big or do you prefer to just focus on profitability because that would better serve the other priorities in your life? On our next episode, we're going to dig in on that exact choice. What should you look at and consider when joining a real estate team? They're taking a significant portion of your commission. Does that mean that teams are a bad deal or could they be a great opportunity? I'm looking forward to our next opportunity to share. And as always, I appreciate you taking time to spend with me. So thanks for watching and I'll see you on the next episode.